The Wonderful Discovery of Elizabeth Sawyer, a Witch, late of Edmonton, by Henry Goodcall, read by David Nicholl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wonderful Discovery of Elizabeth Sawyer, a Witch, late of Edmonton, her conviction and condemnation and death, together with the relation of the devil's access to her and their conference together. Written by Henry Goodcall, Minister of the Word of God and her continual visitor in the jail of Newgate. The Author's Apology to the Christian Readers who wisheth to them all health and happiness. The publication of this subject, whereof now I write, hath been by importunity extorted from me, who would have been content to have concealed it, knowing the diversity of opinions concerning things of this nature, and that not only among the ignorant, but among some of the learned. For my part, I meddle here with nothing but matter of fact, and to that end produce the testimony of the living and the dead, which I hope shall be authentical for the confirmation of this narration, and free me from all censorious minds and mouths. It is none of my intent here to discuss or dispute of witches or witchcraft, but desire most therein to be dispensed with all, knowing that in such a little treatise as this is, no matter that can be effectual can be comprised, especially in so short a time of deliberation as three or four days and the rather do I now publish this to purchase my peace, which, without it being done, I could scarce at any time be at quiet, for many who would take no nay but still desired of me written copies of this ensuing declaration. Another reason was to defend the truth of the cause, which in some measure hath received a wound already, by most base and false ballads which were sung at the time of our returning from the witch's execution. In them, I was ashamed to see and hear such ridiculous fictions of her bewitching corn on the ground, of a ferret and an owl daily sporting before her, of the bewitched woman braining herself, of the spirits attending in the prison, all of which I knew to be fitter for an ale-bench than for a relation of proceeding in a court of justice. And thereupon I wonder that such lewd ballad-mongers should be suffered to creep into the printer's presses and people's ears. And so I rest at your opinions and judgments, your well-wisher in the Lord Jesus, Henry Goodcall. A True Declaration of the Manner of Proceeding Against Elizabeth Sawyer, Late of Edmonton, Spinster, and the Evidence of Her Conviction. A great and long suspicion was held of this person to be a witch, and the eye of Mr. Arthur Robinson, a worthy justice of peace who dwelleth at Tottenham near to her, was watchful over her and her ways, and that not without just cause. Still having his former long suspicion of her, by the information of her neighbours that dwelt about her, from suspicion to proceed to great presumptions, seeing the death of nurse-children and cattle strangely and suddenly to happen, and to find out who should be the author of this mischief, an old ridiculous custom was used, which was to pluck the thatch of her house, and to burn it, 
and it being so burned, the author of such mischief should presently then come. And it was observed and affirmed to the court that Elizabeth Sawyer would presently frequent the house of them that burnt the thatch which they plucked of her house, and come without any sending for. This trial, though it was slight and ridiculous, yet it settled a resolution in those whom it concerned to find out, by all means they could endeavour, her long and close-carried witchery, to explain it to the world, and being descried, to pay in the end such a worker of iniquity her wages, and that which she had deserved, namely, shame and death, from which the devil that had so long deluded her did not come, as she said, to show the least help of his unto her to deliver her, but being descried in his ways and works, immediately he fled, leaving her to shift an answer for herself, with public and private marks on her body, as followeth. 1. Her face was most pale and ghost-like, without any blood at all, and her countenance was still dejected to the ground. 2. Her body was crooked and deformed, even bending together, which so happened but a little before her apprehension. 3. That tongue, which by cursing, swearing, blaspheming, and imprecating, as afterward she confessed, was the occasioning cause of the devil's access unto her even at that time, and to claim her thereby as his own, by it discovered her lying, swearing, and blaspheming, as also evident proofs produced against her to stop her mouth with truth's authority, at which hearing she was not able to speak a sensible or ready word for her defence, but sends out, in the hearing of the judge, jury, and all good people that stood by, many most fearful imprecations for destruction against herself then to happen, as heretofore she had wished and endeavoured to happen on divers of her neighbours, the which the righteous judge of heaven, whom thus she invocated, to judge then and discern her cause, did reveal. Thus God did wonderfully overtake her in her own wickedness, to make her tongue to be the means of her own destruction, which had destroyed many before. And in this manner, namely, that out of her false swearing the truth whereof she little thought should be found, but by her swearing and cursing blended, it thus far made against her that both judge and jury, all of them, grew more and more suspicious of her, and not without great cause, for none that had the fear of God, or any the least motion of God's grace left in them, would, or durst, to presume so impudently with execrations and false oaths to affront justice. On Saturday, being the fourteenth day of April, Anno Domini 1621, this Elizabeth Sawyer, late of Edmonton, in the county of Middlesex, Spinster, was arraigned and indicted three several times at Justice Hall in the Old Bailey in London, in the parish of St. Sepulchre's, in the ward of Farrington Without, which indictments were, viz. That she, the said Elizabeth Sawyer, not having the fear of God before her eyes, but moved and seduced by the devil, by diabolical help, did out of her malicious heart, because her neighbours where she dwelt would not buy brooms of her would therefore thus revenge herself on them in this manner, namely, witch to death their nurse-children and cattle, 
but for brevity's sake here I omit forms of law and informations. She was also indicted for that she, the said Elizabeth Sawyer, by diabolical help and out of her malice of forethought, did witch unto death Agnes Ratcliffe, a neighbour of hers dwelling in the town of Edmonton where she likewise did dwell. And the cause that urged her thereunto was, because that Agnes Ratcliffe did strike a sow of hers in her sight for licking up a little soap where she had laid it, and for that Elizabeth Sawyer would be revenged of her, and thus threatened Agnes Ratcliffe that it should be a dear blow unto her, which accordingly fell out, and suddenly, for that evening, Agnes Ratcliffe fell very sick, and was extraordinarily vexed, and in a most strange manner in her sickness was tormented. Oath whereof was by this Agnes Ratcliffe's husband given to the court, the time when she fell sick, and the time when she died, which was within four days after she fell sick, and further then related that in the time of her sickness his wife, Agnes Ratcliffe, lay foaming at the mouth, and was extraordinarily distempered, which many of his neighbours seeing, as well as himself, bred suspicion in them that some mischief was done against her, and by none else but alone by this Elizabeth Sawyer it was done, concerning whom the said Agnes Ratcliffe, lying on her deathbed, these words confidently spake, namely, that if she did die at that time, she would verily take it on her death, that Elizabeth Sawyer her neighbour, whose sow with a washing-beetle she had stricken, and so for that cause her malice being great, was the occasion of her death. To prove her innocency she put herself to the trial of God and the country. And what care was taken, both by the honourable bench and jury, the judicious standers-by can witness, and God knows who will reward it. The jury, hearing this evidence given upon oath by the husband of the above-named Agnes Ratcliffe, and his wife's speeches relating to them likewise an oath, as she lay on her deathbed to be truth, that she had said unto her husband, namely, that if she died, at that time she, the said Elizabeth Sawyer, was the cause of her death, and maliciously did, by her witchery, procure the same. This made some impression in their minds, and caused due and mature deliberation, not trusting their own judgments what to do in a matter of such great import as life they deemed might be conserved. The foreman of the jury asked of Master Hennage Finch, recorder, his direction and advice, to whom he, Christian-like, thus replied, namely, Do in it as God shall put in your hearts. Master Arthur Robinson, a worshipful justice of peace dwelling at Tottenham, had often and diverse times upon the complaints of the neighbours against this Elizabeth Sawyer, laboriously and carefully examined her, and still his suspicion was strengthened against her that doubtless she was a witch. An information was given unto him by some of her neighbours that this Elizabeth Sawyer had a private and strange mark on her body, by which their suspicion was confirmed against her. And he, sitting in the court at that time of her trial, informed the bench thereof, desiring the bench to send for women to search her, presently, before the jury did go forth to bring in the verdict concerning Elizabeth Sawyer whether she was guilty or no, to which motion of his they most willingly condescended. 
the bench commanded officers appointed for those purposes to fetch in three women to search the body of elizabeth sawyer to see if they could find any such unwonted mark as they were informed of one of the women's names was margaret weaver that keeps the sessions house for the city of london a widow of an honest reputation and two other grave matrons brought in by the officer out of the street passing there by chance were joined with her in this search of the person named who fearing and perceiving she should by that search of theirs be then discovered behaved herself most sluttishly and loathsomely towards them intending thereby to prevent their search of her which my pen would forbear to write these things for modesty's sake but i would not vary in what was delivered to the bench expressly and openly spoken yet nevertheless niceness they laid aside and according to the request of the court and to that trust proposed to them by the bench they all three severally searched her and made severally their answer unto the court being sworn thereunto to deliver the truth and they all three said that they a little above the fundament of elizabeth sawyer the prisoner there indicted before the bench for a witch found a thing like a teat the bigness of the little finger and the length of half a finger which was branched at the top like a teat and seemed as though one had sucked it and that the bottom thereof was blue and the top of it was red this view of theirs and answer that she had such a thing about her which boldly she denied gave some insight to the jury of her who upon their consciences returned the said elizabeth sawyer to be guilty by diabolical help of the death of agnes ratcliffe only and acquitted her of the other two indictments and thus much of the means that brought her to her deserved death and destruction I will address to inform you of her preparation to death, which is alone pertinent to my function, and declare unto you her confession verbatim, out of her own mouth delivered to me the Tuesday after her conviction, though with great labour it was extorted from her. And the same confession I read unto her at the place of her execution, and there she confessed to all people that were there the same to be most true which I shall here relate. And because it should not be thought that from me alone this proceeded, I would have other testimony thereof, to stop all contradictions of so palpable a verity, that heard her deliver it from her own mouth in the chapel of Newgate the same time. In testimony whereof, the persons that were then present with me at her confession have hereunto put to their hands, and, if it be required further to confirm this to be a truth, will be ready at all times to make oath thereof. A true relation of the confession of Elizabeth Sawyer, spinster, after her conviction of witchery, taken on Tuesday the 17th day of April, anno 1621, in the jail of Newgate, where she was prisoner, then in the presence and hearing of diverse persons, whose names, to verify the same, are here subscribed to this ensuing confession, made unto me, Henry Goodcole, Minister of the Word of God, Ordinary and Visitor for the Jail of Newgate. In dialogue manner are here expressed the persons that she murdered, and the cattle that she destroyed, by the help of the devil. In this manner I was enforced to speak unto her, because she might understand me, 
and give unto me answer according to my demands, for she was a very ignorant woman. Question. By what means came you to have acquaintance with the devil? And when was the first time that you saw him? And how did you know that it was the devil? Answer. The first time that the devil came unto me was when I was cursing, swearing, and blaspheming. He then rushed in upon me, and never before that time did I see him, or he me. And when he, namely the devil, came to me, the first words that he spake unto me were these, Oh, have I now found you cursing, swearing, and blaspheming? Now you are mine. A gentleman by name Mr. Maddox, standing by and hearing of her say the word blaspheming, did ask of her three or four times whether the devil said, Have I found you blaspheming? And she confidently said, I. A wonderful warning to many whose tongues are too frequent in these abominable sins. I pray God that this her terrible example may deter them, to leave and distaste them, to put their tongues to a more holy language than the accursed language of hell. The tongue of man is the glory of man, and it was ordained to glorify God. But worse than brute beasts are they who have a tongue as well as men, that therewith they at once both bless and curse. Question. What said you to the devil when he came unto you, and spake unto you? Were you not afraid of him? If you did fear him, what said the devil then unto you? Answer. I was in a very great fear when I saw the devil. But he did bid me not to fear him at all, for he would do me no hurt at all, but would do for me whatsoever I should require of him. And... As he promised unto me, he always did such mischiefs as I bid him to do, both on the bodies of Christians and beasts. If I did bid him vex them to death, as oftentimes I did so bid him, it was then presently by him so done. Question. Whether would the devil bring unto you word or know what he had done for you at your command? And if he did bring you word, how long would it be before he would come unto you again to tell you? Answer. He would always bring unto me word what he had done for me within the space of a week. He never failed me that time. And would likewise do it to creatures and beasts two manner of ways, which was by scratching or pinching of them. Question. Of what Christians and beasts, and how many were the number that you were the cause of their death, and what moved you to prosecute them to the death? Answer. I have been, by the help of the devil, the means of many Christians and beasts' death. The cause that moved me to do it was malice and envy, for if anybody had angered me in any manner, 
I would be so revenged of them and of their cattle. And do now further confess that I was the cause of those two nurse-children's death, for the which I was now indicted and acquitted by the jury. Question. Whether did you procure the death of Agnes Ratcliffe, for which you were found guilty by the jury? Answer. No. I did not, by my means, procure against her the least hurt. Question. How long is it since the devil and you had acquaintance together? And how often times in the week would he come and see you, and you company with him? Answer. It is eight years since our first acquaintance, and three times in the week the devil would come and see me, after such his acquaintance gotten of me. He would come sometimes in the morning, and sometimes in the evening. Question. In what shape would the devil come unto you? Answer. Always in the shape of a dog, and of two colours, sometimes of black, and sometimes of white. Question. What talk had the devil and you together, when that he appeared to you? And what did he ask of you? And what did you desire of him? Answer. He asked of me, when he came unto me, how I did, and what he should do for me, and demanded of me my soul and body, threatening then to tear me in pieces, if that I did not grant unto him my soul and body which he asked of me. Question. What did you do after such the devil's asking of you to have your soul and body, and after this his threatening of you, did you for fear grant unto the devil his desire? Answer. Yes, I granted for fear unto the devil his request of my soul and body, and to seal this my promise made unto him, I then gave him leave to suck of my blood, the which he asked of me. Question. In what place of your body did the devil suck of your blood, and whether did he himself choose the place, or did you yourself appoint him the place? Tell the truth, I charge you, as you will answer unto the Almighty God, and tell the reason, if that you can, why he would suck your blood. I demanded this question of her to confirm the women's search of her concerning that she had such a mark about her, which they, upon their oaths, informed the court that truth it was she had such a mark. Answer The place where the devil sucked my blood was a little above my fundament, and that place chosen by himself, and in that place, by continual drawing, there is a thing in the form of a teat, at the which the devil would suck me, and I asked the devil why he would suck my blood, and he said it was to nourish him. Question. Whether did you pull up your coats, or no? when the devil came to suck you. This I asked of her very earnestly, and she thus answered me, without any studying for an answer. Answer. 
No, I did not, but the devil would put his head under my coats, and I did willingly suffer him to do what he would. Question. How long would the time be that the devil would continue sucking of you? And whether did you endure any pain the time that he was sucking of you? Answer. He would be sucking of me the continuance of a quarter of an hour. And when he sucked me, I then felt no pain at all. Question. What was the meaning that the devil, when he came unto you, would sometimes speak and sometimes bark? I asked this question because she said that the devil did not always speak to her. Answer. It is thus. When the devil spake to me, then he was ready to do for me what I would bid him to do. And when he came barking to me, he then had done the mischief that I did bid him to do for me. Question. By what name did you call the devil, and what promises did he make to you? Answer. I did call the devil by the name of Tom, and he promised to do for me whatsoever I should require of him. Question. What were those two ferrets that you were feeding on a form with white bread and milk when diverse children came and saw you feeding of them? I asked this of her because that some children of a good bigness and reasonable understanding informed the court that they had diverse times seen her feed two white ferrets with white bread and milk. Answer. I never did any such thing. Question. What was the white thing that did run through the thatch of your house? Was it a spirit or devil? I asked this question of her because her husband testified to the bench he saw such a white thing run through the thatch of his house, and that he catched at it but could not get it, and he thought it was a white ferret. Answer. So far as I know, it was nothing else but a white ferret. Question. Did anybody else know but you yourself alone of the devil's coming unto you, and of your practices? Speak the truth, and tell the reason why you did not reveal it to your husband, or to some other friend. Answer. I did not tell anybody thereof that the devil came unto me, neither I durst not, for the devil charged me that I should not, and said, that if I did tell it to anybody, at his next coming to me, then he would tear me in pieces. Question. Did the devil at any time find you praying when he came unto you? And did not the devil forbid you to pray to Jesus Christ, but to him alone? And did not he bid you pray to him the devil as he taught you? Upon my very general suspicion I asked of her this question. Answer. Yes, he once found me praying, and he asked of me to whom I prayed, and I answered him to Jesus Christ, and he charged me then to pray no more to Jesus Christ, but to him the devil, and he the devil taught me this prayer. 
Santibiceta nomen tuum. Amen. I do here relate the self-same words upon this question propounded unto her, what prayer the devil taught her to say. Question. Were you ever taught these Latin words before by any person else? Or did you ever hear of it before of anybody? Or can you say any more of it? Answer. No. For you was not taught it by anybody else but by the devil alone. Neither do I understand the meaning of these words, nor can speak any more Latin words. Question. Did the devil ask of you, the next time he came unto you, whether that you used to pray unto him in that manner as he taught you? Answer. Yes. At his next coming to me, he asked of me, if that I did pray unto him as he had taught me. And I answered him again that sometimes I did and sometimes I did not. And the devil then thus threatened me, it is not good for me to mock him. Question. How long is it since you saw the devil last? Answer. It is three weeks since I saw the devil. Question. Did the devil never come unto you since you were in prison? Speak the truth as you will answer unto Almighty God. I ask this question because it was rumoured that the devil came to her since her conviction and shamelessly printed and openly sung in a ballad to which many give too much credit. Answer. The devil never came unto me since I was in prison, nor, I thank God, I have no motion of him in my mind since I came to prison. Neither do I now fear him at all. Question. How came your eye to be put out? The reason why I asked this was because her father and mother's eye, one of theirs, was out. Answer. With a stick which one of my children had in the hand. That night my mother did die, it was done, for I was stooping by the bedside, and I by chance did hit my eye on the sharp end of the stick. Question. Did you ever handle the devil? when he came unto you? I asked of her this question because some might think this was a visible delusion of her sight only. Answer. Yes, I did stroke him on the back, and then he would beg unto me, and wag his tail, as being therewith contented. Question. Would the devil come unto you all in one bigness? Answer. No. When he came unto me in the black shape, he then was biggest, and in the white the least. And when I was praying, he then would come unto me in the white colour. Question. Why did you, at your trial, forswear all this that you do now confess? Answer. We did it thereby hoping to avoid shame. Question. Is all this truth which you have spoken here unto me, and that I have now written? Answer. 
Yes, it is all truth. And so he shall make answer unto Almighty God. Question. What moves you now to make this confession? Did any urge you to it, or bid you do it? Is it for any hope of life you do it? Answer. No, I do it to clear my conscience. And now, having done it, I am the more quiet and the better prepared, and willing thereby to suffer death, for I have no hope at all of my life. Although I must confess, I would live longer if I might. A relation what she said at the place of execution, which was at Tyburn, on Thursday, the 19th day of April, 1621. All this, being by her thus freely confessed after her conviction in the jail of Newgate, on Tuesday, the 17th day of April, I acquainted Master Recorder of London therewith, who thus directed me to take that her confession with me to the place of execution, and to read it to her, and to ask of her whether that was truth which she had delivered to me in the prison on Tuesday last, concerning what she said. And how she died, I will relate unto you. Elizabeth Sawyer, you are now come unto the place of execution. Is that all true which you confessed unto me on Tuesday last, when that you were in prison? I have it here, and will now read it unto you, as you spake it then unto me out of your own mouth. And if it be true, confess it now to God and to all the people that are here present. Answer. This confession, which is now read unto me by Master Henry Goodcole, minister, with my own mouth I spake it to him on Tuesday last at Newgate, and I here do acknowledge to all the people that are here present that it is all truth desiring you all to pray unto Almighty God to forgive me my grievous sins. Question. By what means hope you now to be saved? Answer. By Jesus Christ alone. Question. Will you now pray unto Almighty God to forgive unto you all your misdeeds? Answer. I, with all my heart and mind, this was confirmed in the hearing of many hundreds at her last breath, what formerly she in prison confessed to me, and at that time spake more heartily than the day before of her execution, on whose body law was justly inflicted, but mercy in God's power reserved to bestow when and where he pleaseth. My labour thus ended concerning her, to testify and avouch to the world and all opposers hereof this to be true. Those that were present with me in the prison that heard her confession, I have desired here their testimonies, which is as followeth. We, whose names are here subscribed, do thereby testify that Elizabeth Sawyer, late of Edmonton, in the county of Middlesex, Spinster, did, in our hearings, confess on Tuesday the 17th of April, in the jail of Newgate, to Master Henry Goodcole, Minister of the Word of God, the repeated foul crimes, and confirmed it at her death the 19th of April following to be true, 
and if we be thereunto required, will be ready to make faith of the truth thereof, namely, that this was her confession being alive, and a little before her death. Conclusion Dear Christians, lay this to heart, namely, the cause and first time that the devil came unto her then, even then when she was cursing, swearing, and blaspheming. The devil rageth, and malice reigneth in the hearts of many. Oh, let it not do so, for here you may see the fruits thereof, that it is a plain way to bring you to the devil, nay, that it brings the devil to you. For it seemed that when she so fearfully did swear, her oaths did so conjure him, that he must leave then his mansion-place, and come at this wretch's command and will, which was by her imprecations. Stand on your guard, and watch with sobriety to resist him, the devil your adversary, who waiteth on you continually to subvert you, that so you, that do detest her abominable words and ways, may never taste of the cup, nor wages of shame and destruction, of which she did in this life. From which, and from whose power, Lord Jesus save and defend thy little flock. Amen. End of The Wonderful Discovery of Elizabeth Sawyer, A Witch Late of Edmonton by Henry Goodcole.